So two weeks ago, I talked about discovering your gifts. We've, been, we've all been gifted with something. We've all been given something. We've all been given these things from God that, that are, are, are at our disposal to utilize if we choose to for the benefit of positive or for the benefit of negative. We all have gifts. And out of those gifts that God has given us, they're not our gifts. God gave them to us. Out of those gifts, we need to take those gifts. We need to work on those gifts. We need to, to develop those gifts, and they need to become skills. We want to be skilled. You want to be skilled at your job. You want to be skilled at whatever practice you have. The more skilled you are, let's just be really practical, the more skilled you are in, in a field of work, the more money that you're probably going to make. You want to be skilled. We talked about discovering our passions. Last week, we talked about passion Really, the idea of passion that we think in 2019 is what excites me, what am I enthusiastic about, what serves me. Um, it's real feelings-based, but this word passion, when you looked in the Bible, means suffering. Totally flips over what society says about passion. So what are you willing to step into? It's your area of service, and it's going to cost you. Okay, and we talked about that. Today, we're going to talk about discovering your yes. Discovering your yes, you have an opportunity, you have an invitation from God, you have an invitation to do things in life. Um, people invite you to go somewhere, you're invited into um, a workplace, and these are opportunities for you to see us. We're going to talk about discovering your yes. We're going to read a story in the book of Esther, and I'm going to give you some backdrop for Esther because it's important that you understand what's going on in the story and who she is, why I'm picking Esther, why, why she's such a powerful character in Scripture. And also culturally, why some things that she went through, those things make her such an odd figure to be able to do what she does. Esther was born a young girl. She was, uh, she was orphaned. She, her parents um, weren't in the picture. And she was a young Jewish girl. And so uh, culturally speaking, there's three strikes that she really had to work through. Number one, she was an orphan. Number two, she was a Jew. And in the land that her people lived in, it didn't necessarily mean that that was the best thing. And number three, she was a female. So here she is, and her uncle, loving uncle, says yes to adopting her and adopts her. His name is Mordecai. Mordecai adopts her. And through time, she's raised, and the king of the land uh, gets kind of sick of his own wife, the queen, and, and she irritates him for some reason. And so he banishes her. True story, it's in the book. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, so he says, I need a new queen. So they look in all the land, and who do they find? They find this young girl. Her name was Hadassah, and they changed her name to Esther. He sees this girl, Esther. She's the most beautiful in the land. He says, I want her to be my queen. She is now this young orphan girl who based on all the circumstances in her life, would be the last one that you would ever, ever pick to be sitting in the palace as queen. Is now sitting as royalty, as queen to the king. And there's this guy, Haman. He's like the devil of the story. Haman comes along and Haman's like, hey, um, I don't like this guy Mordecai. He kind of rubs me the wrong way. So Haman comes up with this crazy plan to annihilate, the word is to annihilate all of the Jews, to murder them, to kill them. And he does this by manipulating the king, getting the king 
to sign into law this law that would kill all the Jews. The king doesn't know that his queen, Esther, is a Jew. So he signs this law. We pick up in the story when Mordecai, Esther's uncle, hears the decree read in the town that he's in. and hears that all of his people are going to be murdered. And this is where we pick up the story. Chapter 4 of Esther. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids... And eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai. She was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. When Esther summoned Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs assigned to attend to her and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathach went to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation. Do you understand the weight of that word? Annihilation. Standing against an entire nation of people, standing against Esther, was an edict signed, sealed by the king, of complete annihilation. I would say they weren't having a good day. If I ever wasn't having, this, this would be not having a good day right here. It says, he also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to urge her to go into the king's presence and beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. So he says, hey, I want you to tell her. I'm explaining to you what's happened. I want you to go tell her. She needs to go to the king. She needs to go talk to the king. This is what she says. So Hathach went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all of the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he, or in this case she, be put to death. The only exception to this is if the, king, if the king is to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. So she hasn't seen her husband for a month. But even though she's the queen, she's not allowed just to walk in and say, hey, I'm coming into your throne room and I want to talk to you. So literally, Mordecai's like, you got to do something about this. And she's like, hey, like, news drop. I'm going to probably be killed if I approach him. I haven't seen him in 30 days. If I just come walking in, I'm probably going to die. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do you think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape? Now, how many times in my life am I presented with an invitation that's asking me, preparing me to say yes to something? And I say, well, hold on a second. If I say yes to this, I'm probably going to die. But how often in my life, because I don't have the foreknowledge and the ability to know what's on the other side of me not saying yes, 
that death is probably waiting there also. Here's my point. Sometimes we think by taking a non-position to something, we're safer. And the truth is, either way is dangerous. One is going to be greater. Are you with me? For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you've come to royal position. This, this is a key phrase for such a time as this. God has appointed every single one of you sitting in San Marcos, California, in this little building, at this time in 2019, He's gifted you, He's given you a passion, He's given you areas of service, and He's asking for your yes today for such a time as this. Let's not lament about what it used to be like in 1950. It's 2019. And you are here for such a time as this. That's powerful to understand. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. That's crazy. So Mordecai went away and carried out all that she had told him. Let's talk about our yes. Number one, yes requires focus. Number one, your yes to, to life. Anytime you say yes to something, it's going to require focus. Uh, Matthew 5.33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, don't swear on an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, for it's the footstool of God, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of a great king. And don't swear by your own head, you can't even make one hair white or black. Here's the point. He goes on to say, what you simply need to do is say yes or no. Anything beyond that comes, comes from evil. Here's his point. It's not that we don't take oaths. He's saying what was happening culturally is people were standing and they were making these big elaborate, I swear on the name of the king and my family and who and me because I'm great and I will do what it is that I say that I'm going to do on the great head of my first and third child on a Wednesday and a Sunday. And then on the other days, I swear by God and by the house of my neighbor. And then these people that would do this, crazy the things they would swear upon, they would go out and they wouldn't follow through on their yes or no. This is very culturally relevant, by the way. We, we, there's integrity in this. Your yes is your oath. This is what Jesus is saying. Your yes, your simple yes, is your oath. You don't need to say all this stuff. Your yes is your oath. It is your vow. The day that I stood and I said yes to my wife, it was my oath, it was my vow that my eyes would be only for her. That was my yes. That was my oath. Here's what oath means. That which has been pledged or promised. That was my promise. That's what I pledged. Here's also what it means. A limit, restraint from, 
it comes from a root word meaning boundaries. Oftentimes we think, when I say yes to something, say yes, it opens you up to a world of possibilities. I'm going to tell you that your yes actually closes you off to a world of opportunities. Why? Because it focuses you. When you start saying yes, you start saying no to other things. Your yes is going to set boundaries in your life. And if you don't have boundaries in your life, if I don't have boundaries in my life, I try to live in two worlds. So, uh, yes, Jesus, but yes to pleasing myself. So I'm living, straddling two worlds. And I'm saying yes here, and I'm saying yes here. But neither one, there's no integrity in this. And I'm divided. I'm divided in my thoughts. Esther was divided for a brief moment. She was divided in her thoughts. She was going, hold on a second. I care deeply and I'm distressed about my family, but I care very deeply about my own life. I care very deeply about the position that I sit in. And so she was straddling these two worlds. And so she was thinking with two minds. And it says in the book of James, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. You double-minded. Double-minded. Why is double-minded used in the same sentence as sinners? Because this is what it means. Wavering, uncertain, doubting, divided in interest, two-spirited. There are going to be times in every one of our lives when we're going to operate in some double-mindedness. Some, we're going to have doubt. Doubt doesn't tell you that you're done. Doubt tells you that you should actually dive deeper. But you need to decide where you're going to dive. You can't be two-spirited. You can't be two-minded. You can't live in both worlds. Are you with me this morning? Every yes brings a thousand no's to something else. Every one of your yeses is going to bring a thousand no's to something else. And it focuses. It is going to focus you. Because this is what I'm saying yes to. When we say when we say no to those other things, this is how I see it. This is a picture in my head. When I say no to these things, I'm clearing the clutter from the pathway of my passion. You can be gifted. You can be the most passionate person in the world. And if we can't find integrity in our yes, your pathway is going to be cluttered with things. We'll hoard things that please us. And then we go, I can't get to, I, I don't feel like I'm being successful in. I can't seem to break through this. That's because your pathway is cluttered. But it's cluttered because you're not focused and you're not clearing it out by saying no and pushing back those other things. Is this making sense? Number two, yes precedes the plan. Yes precedes the plan. In Esther's life, here she comes. Mordecai comes to her. She's like, I'm going to die. He's like, but you need to do something. And then she just gets to the bottom line. She was like, okay, here's, I'll, I'll do it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go away, and I want you to fast. She says yes first. Then she goes away, and she seeks God for the strategy. She says yes first before she knows the plan. She didn't go, hold on a second. Let me see if I can formulate a plan. She said 
yes, now we need to seek God because we need a plan. Can I tell you that God already has a plan for your yeses? God has a plan for your yeses. God, God has a plan already laying in wait to defeat the plot of the enemy. We just saying this, like that God goes back, he, he goes out into the battlefield, he's the one who takes the enemy's head and comes back to us for our victory. That's what we're singing. All we have to do is stand and say, yes, Lord. We stand firm and we say, yes, God. We say yes to your plan because your plan, again, we just saying this, is far better than the plan that I've been trying to work on. My plan gets me in trouble. It's a bit disastrous. I keep saying yes to things, and I don't know why, but it keeps landing me in spots and beds and landscapes that I don't think I should be laying in and landing in. I'm trying to be a businessman, but I'm going broke. But I'm saying yes to myself, and I'm not saying yes to you, God. God, I need your strategy because you've already laid up in wait the anointing and a release of the success of every one of my yeses, but I have to have the ability to say yes to you first. Amen. If I went to any of you in the room that's a business person, I said, I want to partner with you in business. Sure, that's great, Pat, let's partner. I said, here's what you need to do. I want you to divulge all of your contact lists, all of your supply lists, all of your distribution, all of your sales tactics, all of your finances, divulge everything that you can to me so I can decide. You would look at me and say, you're crazy, dude. I'm not giving you anything. You have to say what? Yes first. You have to say yes to partnering with me before I give you my plans. God is waiting for us to say yes. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. In my life, if I knew the plan before I said yes, do you know what I would do with the plan? I'd mess it up. That's just me. I'm going to screw that plan up for sure. Uh, God, show me the plan. Yes, that seems like, okay, because then I can, that's easy. Oh, that's no problem. I could do that. Um, there's, there's a reward at the end of that. Whatever it is, right? I'm like, here's the plan. I say, yeah, and then I get the plan, and then I take the plan. I start like, you know, God, thank you very much, but I think I'm going to change this. And he's just like, it's so much better this way. I've already got your enemy's head in my hand. Yes is powerful. I'm sorry, yes requires courage. Yes requires courage. Uh, here's young Esther. I already told you she's an orphan. She's a young girl. She's Jewish. She, she's not the one who you're choosing. You literally are not looking at her and going, I'm picking her on the winning team to be able to set an entire ethnic group of people free from annihilation. Do you, do you think she understood that? But there was something, she understood culturally what the world was saying to her. Do you understand culturally what the world is saying? Do you understand, like this is what she had to face. Courage, she was able to stand in the face of the facts. But I'm gonna look at the facts and go, you have facts, I have faith. You have facts, I have courage. I can stand in the face of the fact. Yeah, I understand there's some things that you consider deficiencies in me. I understand that maybe I have some physical deformities. I have a limp. Maybe, maybe I have something that's, that, that per, it's perceivably holding me back, but I have the courage to stand in the face of facts. 
Do you have the courage to stand and say yes in the face of facts? Or are we going to put, she could have sat back and said, well, you don't understand. I barely made it here. I shouldn't be queen. How many of us do this? This false humility. False, literally false. It's false. It's fake. It's not real. We think so much, I think so much about myself that I overthink myself to the point of thinking that I'm not worth it. That's pride in me. When I think I'm not good enough, that's my pride. That's my pride. You are good enough. But when I sit and think about myself so much and I I go, oh, I'm going to think about myself so much, I'm going to take myself all the way back to the beginning and go, I was an orphan. The Jews are going to be annihilated, so that's not good. I'm a female, so there's some restrictions I have in society. No, look at me. I shouldn't be queen. I'm sorry, God gifted you. God gifted you. God actually created in you the gift set and the ability to walk onto platforms, areas of service, passions. Who am I to tell God that I'm not good enough to stand on the platforms he's created for me? That takes a lot of ego in me. God, I think you were wrong. He's like, well, I think you're an idiot. Me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and all the angels and Abraham and everybody up here praying for your silly butt because you're just stupid. He's like up in heaven. He's like, can everyone just extend a hand? We need to pray right now. God's up there like, Jesus, all of heaven, can we just pray for Pat right now? Because he thinks he has a better way. Just stand up in the face of facts. Have courage. Yes is powerful in numbers. Yes is powerful in numbers. Uh, (laughs) Esther had a history of yeses with God before she got to this one yes that was going to be major. See, when she was little, she she had to say yes to life. She had to say yes to Mordecai, her uncle. She wasn't like the bratty kid who was like, you're not my dad. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to brush my hair. No, I'm not, I'm not cleaning up the tent. No. Well, they live in tents. What am I going to say? The apartment? The condo? The house? I'm not sweeping the dirt off the dirt floor. This is the reality. No. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little also be dishonest with much. See, I think God chose Esther because he saw faithfulness in this young orphan girl who was the most unexpected hero to a group of people because of her faithfulness in the small, significant yeses. But what happens is we think that these great things that happen in people's lives around us or the great successes of companies or the great successes of fill-in-the-blank happen because of one yes. And they don't. They happen because of 25,000 small significant yeses that gets that person or that company or that thing or whatever you want to look at. And By the way, compare yourself. There's the number one problem. I'm comparing myself. I need to stop comparing. I need to stop comparing myself to someone else's glaring gift that maybe is my deficiency or weakness. Because that's most often what we do. Marriages. 
Don't do that to your spouse. Well, you know, uh, we, we know this couple and she does X, Y, Z. Well, you're comparing that woman's gift, glaring thing, to one of your wife's weaknesses. She'll never win. So just, just zit. Don't say that to your wife. Because she's going to come back strong. Well, I wish you were a man that did. Right? So if we'd stop comparing ourselves to people, we would realize that the success that we may see is built on tens upon thousands of small significant yeses. And the yeses can... So I, I, I just got back into training again after having surgery. And so my, my triathlon coach said, hey, I want you to go out. This is yesterday. My workout was, I want you to go out and just do an easy 25-mile bike ride. Which, that means don't ride really hard. Okay? 25 miles isn't that long of a ride. So I was like, It's not. Like if you, anyway, it's like riding from here down Palmar Port Road to the beach and back. It's not that long. It's not that long. Okay, anyway, move on. So I go out and I'm like, I say, yes, yes, I'll do that. So I get up yesterday morning and I haven't been on like the road where, and the road's different. Like I, I've been getting back going in my garage on a trainer. So the trainer sits flat. And there's no hills, right? I'm like, whoa. As I start riding, I'm like, whoa. My legs are like, hello. We haven't done this for like six weeks. Okay? And my heart rate kind of spikes a little bit and uh, blah, 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 blah. So I show up and I meet with some people that train and I train with on a team that I, I race with. And they go, hey, you going to ride with us? And I was like, no, I'm just going to turn around and go home. I got a 25-mile easy ride. And they're like, Oh, come on, man. We haven't seen you in a while. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so we rode from downtown Oceanside to this trail that takes you past the harbor, through the valley of Oceanside, out to like Guahomey area. And I said in my mind, when I get to the end of this, I'm just going to stop and go and go on Melrose and go home. But I'm saying yes to you, but I have a bigger yes that I have planned. And so we got out to that point at the stoplight, and they said, hey, are you going to keep going down the 76 with us? And they go out 76, and I said, no, 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 no. I'm going to say yes to going down Melrose and going home, because I only had a 25-mile easy ride. Oh, Pat. But you stirred up the pot when we were riding down the trail because I'm competitive. And so I kind of pushed the pace a little bit on the group. And so like a couple of the other guys that are like competitive, they're like, hey, you know, you can't bail on us now. And so I'm like, no. And the light turns green. What do you think this guy did? Huh? I turned left and I went, yeah, I'll go with you. I'm riding down the 76. I think, I'll go right and, and go through Vista, and I won't go through like Fallbrook and Bonzel. I'm saying yes to that. This is it. I'm putting my foot down. What do you think happened when we got to that intersection? 
man, we were like in a line. We're moving like 26 miles an hour. And I was like, this is it. I'll keep, yeah, I'll keep going. Because I'm on a 25-mile ride that's easy. So we get to Olive where you got to turn right and it takes you up Lilac and you're going to climb a little bit. And I, Now I'm like, I'm pot committed. I, this is the only way home. Yes. Have you ever been in this position? We climb to the top. I'm like, dude, that was brutal. Because you know why? I didn't have enough hydration. I didn't have the nutrition. Because I was on a 25-mile easy ride. Then I had to drop down by Lawrence Welk, and I had to climb up this road called Champagne and cross over Deer Springs and go down Deer Springs and come back over to the Cal State San Marcos College because I live over by there, right? No problem. I'm on a 25-mile easy ride. How many miles do you think I, by the time I was done? 50. Yeah. Easy ride? Nah. What's the point? I'm going to tell you that your small significant yeses can lead you one place or another. And sin will always keep you longer than you wanted to stay and will always cost you more than you wanted to pay. It baffles my mind. You have an opportunity to say yes to God. Say no to situations. I had an opportunity, how many times, to just bail out of my ego. Just kept riding. I barely made it home. Like, texted my wife and was like, I'm really weak right now and barely moving. I'm okay. I'm on Deer Springs. Like, it was... And here's the point. Your yes is significant in the small areas. So many times people come to me and talk to me. They go, Pat, how do I, how do I win? And I'm like, you got to start with these small yeses. Or they come to me conversely, and I have conversations with some of you, and you're like, how do I get out of this situation? I'm like, it took you 10,000 yeses to get into it. Why do you think I'm going to wave some like miracle, magical Jesus wand and like put my Birkenstocks on and like put some glittery peace dust on you? Like, do you understand? It took 10,000 yeses. You didn't fall in her bed. Like that, those things just don't happen. They happen over time. There's significant yeses that you and I are saying. And you have an opportunity, I have an opportunity, and yeses are powerful in number, aren't they? You can see how as, as those yeses added up for me yesterday, it, I had to pay. I got home and I was like shoving chocolate muffins that are, Soy-free, grain-free, beautifulness, chocolate. Oh, I can't have chocolate, but I didn't care. I'm just eating calories. Like, I had to get calories in. My body's freaking out. I didn't feel right all day. I wasn't going to solve it right when I walked. Can I tell you, there's a great move that God has for you in your life. You're one yes. You're one significant yes away from walking in to something great in your some of you are feeling that press of time. It's, Pat, you understand, I've been walking for so long, so much time, and I'm telling you, you're one yes away. Hold on, don't lose heart. You're one yes away from God moving greatly. 
Esther, one yes away. That was a pretty big yes. You were one away. God will reward the faithfulness as we say yes in the small things. And I'm going to end with this. The hero of the story is Esther. Because she goes on, she has this plan, she develops this plan. Haman falls into the trap of her plan. This guy, Haman, ends up dying by the very weapons that he had set up to build to kill all the Jews. Right? Esther's the, she, she's the queen. She's the hero. But there's this quiet hero in the story. As I began to think yesterday, I was thinking about this. And I was like, gosh, man, there's this quiet hero in this story. And her uncle, Mordecai. Here's why. If it was not for Mordecai looking at a little girl, standing and saying, I'm going to take the invitation to take the responsibility and the ownership. He said yes to bringing this little girl into his life. Did you know it was because of Mordecai's yes that set the stage for Esther to be able to stand one day in the court of a king and say yes to a living God. This is about legacy. This is about me and about you knowing that our yes is not about you. It's not about me. It's not even about our church. It's about something greater. Psalm 71, 18, it says, even when I'm old and gray, which I am now, don't forsake me, my God, until I declare your power to the next generation. Your mighty acts to all who are to come. You see these junior hires in here worshiping with us? We see Joby playing a piano. This going into a senior year of high school. When you walk through the hallways and you see young kids being taught these very same things because we believe they're presently powerful in the kingdom. No junior Jesus, no junior Holy Spirit. They're just smaller vessels, so it doesn't take as much to fill, you know? This is our call that we are praying for as a family. I want you to know this. We are praying for a move of God like we've never seen. I want you to know that. I want you to know that our team isn't praying that Sunday goes really well and lots of people come and fill the seats. Great. I'm praying for a move of God. I'm praying that the seats are electrified. I'm praying that when people pull off the freeway, they begin to experience and feel the tangible presence of God. I'm praying that as people come into contact with our family members, whether it's here or in your workplace, the transformation starts happening. I'm praying that we all walk with the courage, that we understand there's power in our small yeses, that we would be able to move and focus and we would weed out all the things that are cluttering us from having a move of God happen in our region. I'm praying that we would stand and we would understand that God has created you and me, that he's put us here in 2019, 
that he's birthed you into America, that he's brought you here from exile from another country, that he's given you an opportunity, that you were once an orphan, that you were once outcast, that you were once set for annihilation, but today he has anointed you for such a time as this that he is asking you today, are you willing to step in? Are you willing to stand and are you willing to give me your yes? That is the question that I am putting before you today. Family, are you willing to stand up and step in and say yes in small ways that are significant as we pray and we move to see the strongest, greatest move of God that we've ever seen in this generation? If you're willing, this is very practical, you're willing. There's a blue card in the chair in front of you. Or you can go on your phone. You're following on the app. And you can actually there's a, there's a response card under this Sunday. Sermon notes. You can give online and respond. There's a blue card. This is what it looks like in the back of the seat. It's very simple. Because we're serious. It's not good enough for me that we get emotional and we clap our hands and say, yeah, that's good. I want us to be able to stand and say, I'm willing to step in. Grab the card. Grab the card in front of you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because whether you say yes or not, or fill it out online. Because here's what I want you to say. I don't want you remaining silent. I want you to say yes or no. And I want you to know something. No doesn't disqualify you. No just maybe means not now. And, and we might be able to come alongside you and pray for you and help you so that we can go out of not now to yes. But we're going to say yes or no. Because I, wanna, I want you to know something. Much like Esther, this is something that we got to be clear of. Much like Esther, taking a non-position and remaining silent does not ensure your safety. There is a battle ensuing. It, like, it is there. It's happening. We have an opportunity to say yes or no. Not, not double-minded, not ride the fence. We want to come alongside and love you either way. If you say yes, we want to come alongside and say, great, did you take the spiritual gifts test? What are some areas that you're passionate about? Let's start to walk through this. Let's start to walk through developing these things. Let's get you into areas of service, whether inside the building, outside the building. Maybe you're coming here, I'm a business leader. And we go, hey, you know, we have these other business leaders and we want to get you in contact with these business leaders. Because we believe you need to take, that's your area of service, that's your marketplace. We want you to take that and we want you to couple that thing so that you can walk with it and you can, for such a time as this, walk into those things. Are, are you with me this morning? This is tough because what I'm asking for is a commitment to your answer. Yes or no. And it's fine either way. But can I also tell you as a leader, I want to know the team that I'm playing with. We are going to go after things. I just want to know. That's that, it's that simple. Yes or no. If you fill out a physical card, I'm going to pray. When you walk out the door, there's some boxes in the back of the room. I'm going to ask a couple of red shirts if they can just have some buckets at the doors. 
And then we have some box, some boxes right outside the doors. You can drop those cards in there. And we have some team members that will be following up with you. Amen? If you're willing, please stand with me for such a time as this. If you need prayer this morning for anything, I'd like to invite you to come down and get prayer from our ministry team. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, there is a partnership and a collaboration that God has called us into. Um, when we step into relationship with him. And Jesus said yes to you. Jesus said yes to you and I. There's some key questions that I put in the notes on the app for you to walk through pertaining to the message that I just gave that I think will be really helpful for you to, to practically think through some of this. I have some additional scripture as well that you can read through to help. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I don't want you to leave here. Jesus said yes to you. You have an opportunity this morning to say yes to him. You have an opportunity this morning to get off the fence. Maybe you're in that, you're in that in-between spot. You're like, well, maybe. And I understand that. But I feel like this morning God is calling us into a place of, let's make a decision. And it's okay. It's totally fine. I'd love for our team to pray for you. That's you if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let's Let's close our eyes, if you don't mind. God, I pray against, um, I pray against the tactics of the enemy that wants to bring confusion or fear, um, that wants to uh, heighten uh, our awareness to ourselves to a degree that pride sets in. Lord, as you're calling all of us, including like every single person here, calling us all into a place to walk and partner and collaborate with you to see a great move happen. God, that I say yes to you, Lord, that every heart and hand in this room that's willing, as they say yes to you, God, that you would begin um, to just speak into those things. Give us, give us the plans. We're going to stand in faith and courage. God, I, I don't know what this will bring. I've never done one thing in my life when I said yes to it that I knew exactly how it was going to end. And I love it that way. I don't know how this is going to end. But I'm willing to say yes. As a family, we want to say yes. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen.